Hey, everybody, and welcome to Beyond the Classroom. I'm your host, Jenna Dykeman. I'm a registered dietitian and one of the nutrition faculty members at BYU-Idaho. Beyond the Classroom is a 13-episode podcast that will take you beyond the concepts you are learning in the classroom and give you the opportunity to dig deeper into the world of nutrition. In this week's episode of the Beyond the Classroom podcast, Amanda Christensen joins us on the show. We will be evaluating common fad diets in today's world and identifying red flags of these diets. Are you guys ready? All right, let's get to it. And this is Time Out with the TAs. Welcome to Time Out with the TAs. To start off, I'm going to um, read a quote by Spencer W. Kimball. And it says, Our homes are to become places where family members love to be, where they can enrich their lives and find mutual love, support, appreciation, and encouragement. And so I just wanted to have a little discussion um, and ask you guys, what are some things that you have found that your family has done or that you want your family to do to um, just enrich your home to be a more like love-centered home for your family? Man, that's a big question. Huge question. I have to think about it for a second. Not that my house isn't full of love, but I just want to think about it. In our house, we have a lot of different things that people are passionate about. My sister loves art and she loves painting and drawing. And then my dad and my brother love music and they love playing different instruments and learning new dis- new instruments and all of that. And my mom loves movies and cooking and that kind of thing. And I think something that we've tried really hard to do over the years is just support each other in what we what we love what we're passionate about so whether or not I think that I'm a good artist I'm not but I'll sit and I'll paint with my sister for hours and I'll have her teach me the things that she has learned and and by the end of it it's usually not that impressive of a painting on my part but she knows that I care about what she's doing. And same with my dad with his music. He'll make us, he'll write a song and produce a song and then he'll be so excited about it. And it's not necessarily my music taste at all, but I'll go in the office and I'll listen to it and I'll get him all hyped up and excited about it. Same with my brother. And, and I don't know, it just, just showing that support and taking care of each other that way has really influenced the amount of love and how much we care for each other in our house. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I was thinking the same thing with my family because like as you were talking, my brother right now, he loves to make clay creations. And something that I'm trying to do is like just sit and I'm not good at making clay creations, but I just sit and like make some stuff with him. And like, that's me showing him love. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. 
one thing about my family so my brother and his wife live far away from us and so they're a big part of our family and we don't get to see them all the time because of that but I really love how we all make an effort to all still connect with each other so like we have like a family Marco Polo chat where we can all just talk and show things about our day and we'll play FaceTime games at night sometimes with my older siblings which is pretty funny we just like they put us on FaceTime and they have like a deck of cards out like playing with certain games and we just tell them like which cards we want to play and whatnot and it it's pretty funny to play it like that but just just ways that we've all been able to um, spend still good quality time together even though we're separated by many states and that's one thing that I love about us and that I want to continue to do with my family. Thanks for sharing that Haley. It's interesting because like when you have like your in, your immediate family when you're little and everyone it's just you guys the parents and the kids but then like I feel like there's a different dynamic that comes when you start getting married and you move off and so I like I'm the oldest and I've like moved to college but I've loved that I love having technology to be able to keep connected with my family thanks Haley so thank you guys for um sharing your thoughts on this quote I appreciate all of your insights of things you do in your family that makes you feel loved Welcome back to the show, Amanda. Thanks for being on the podcast again. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here. Today is an exciting podcast episode. We're talking about fad diets, um, red flags when we're looking at fad diets to see or to help students understand how to evaluate different diets they might see on social media, or maybe their friends or family members are talking about them. And hopefully after listening to this, they'll just be able to know kind of what, how to respond to maybe those friends or family members, or to not be fooled by those diets that they see on social media. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about them. These are things that come up often. Obviously, they're fads, so they come and go, but some of them are really popular right now, so it'll be good to give some students some key tips on how to recognize them. Okay, so let's get going. Um, So what we're going to do, for those listening, I am going to read kind of a description about a fad diet today, or one that's popular today, and then Amanda, you will just kind of point out some of those red flags that you might notice. And as I'm reading this description, listeners can try to figure out those red flags as well. So we are going to start off with Whole30. Um, This might be familiar to some people listening or others might have never heard of it before. Have you heard of this one before? I have, yeah, Whole30. Okay. Right now I'm looking at the Whole30 website, and so I'll just kind of read to you the Whole30 program rules is what they're saying. So the goal for Whole30, they say, yes, we want to eat real food. 
So they say eat meat, seafood, eggs, vegetables, fruits, natural fats, um, herbs, spices, seasonings in their list of essentially okay foods. And then the reason that it's called Whole30 is that for 38 days, you will be avoiding, if you're participating in this, they're saying that you are going to avoid the following things. So they don't want you to consume any added sugar, whether it's real or art artificial, no alcohol. They don't want you to eat grains or legumes. They don't want you to eat any dairy. There's certain additives they don't want you to consume. They don't want you to consume baked goods, junk foods, or any treats. And then that's kind of the rules. The key thing with Whole30 is that you do this for 30 days, and if you mess up at any time, you have to restart. So even if you're on day 25, if you have any of those foods that they're cutting out from your diet, that kind of breaks everything that you've done, and you have to restart. Those are, that's the key things with Whole30. So what are your thoughts? Okay, well, let's take a look back kind of at some of the things that you mentioned. This one is interesting because it has a great name. It's called Whole30, and a lot of fad diets actually do that. They come up with a name that sounds really um, enticing and healthy, like people should follow it. And so they want you to consume whole foods. And I don't think anyone would disagree that whole foods are good for you. Um, and so they kind of catch you, you know, they kind of get you in and, and you're interested in something like that to think, oh, yeah, this is really good. And then they tell you everything you can't do. <laughs> um, and that can be really restrictive and tricky. So a couple of things, maybe the listeners picked up on a couple of them, but basically they said, no, they were eliminating food groups. So that's a huge red flag when um, diets are eliminating food groups. This one said grains and dairy. There are a lot of nutrients in those food groups. And when you're eliminating those for an extended amount of time, your body is more likely to have deficiencies of those nutrients. So that would be one red flag. The other is um, identifying foods as junk foods and making you feel guilty for eating things. Um, so like added sugars or something like that. Um, we recognize that added sugars in excess is not good for us, but that doesn't mean that we can't have any. So when we start to eliminate things like that, our desire for them sometimes goes up and the recommendation for added sugars is less than 10% of our total calories. And so that would be the recommendation. Um, and then kind of like I said, when you were are mentioning junk foods, um, there's a sense of being guilty about certain foods that you eat or things like that. So labeling things like that, we have to be careful with that. And then you said, if you mess up, <laughs> you know, in their description, you know, having one bite of chocolate or one bite of a piece of bread or anything like that, that would be considered messing up. When diets give you lists of things you can and can't do or things you can and can't have, those are red flags. So um, anyway, there's, there were quite a few there. Um, overall, I would not say that this would be a great diet. The other thing, the last thing I was going to say is um, how sustainable is it? So this is called Whole30. So you eat this way for 30 days and then what? What do you do on day 31? <laughs> and, and does it mean that you're any healthier on day 31 than you were on day one? No, not necessarily. It just means you're really restrictive for 30 days and now you go back to eating the way you usually did. And so it's, it 
doesn't really teach you any principles or how to eat well. Um, so that would be another uh, red flag. Great. Yeah, those are some really great uh, red flags that you identified. I know a couple of people who had friends who went on the Whole30 and they said similar to what you said. Right after day 30, day 31, they just were back to eating whatever they want. And I think that's so important is with these diets, there's no real sustainable change unless, you know, behavior changes are made during that time. But for the most part, most people go on Whole30 or other diets because they're trying to lose weight or they're trying to have just that quick fix. And once they've done that, then they, they're going back to normal. Yeah, that can be tricky. But those are some, some good flag, red flags to identify when you start looking at you know, different eating patterns, especially once they're being marketed, um, mostly for weight loss. Okay, so next up, we have intermittent fasting. Um, so this one is popular today. There are a lot of different methods for intermittent fasting, and there's no specific website for intermittent fasting. Um, but what I have up is just kind of a summary of intermittent fasting and the different types that people can implement into their daily life. So with intermittent fasting, it says that it's an eating pattern that cycles between periods of fasting and eating. And there's three popular methods. So the first method is 16-8. Basically, you have an eight, an eight hour period where you can eat. And then the other 16 hours of the day, you'll fast. So there's no specific time during the day where they say you can eat. You just choose those eight hours and then you fast for the rest of the time. And then the next one is eat, stop, eat. And with this one, there's two days a week that you fast and then the other five days during the week you eat normally or you can eat whatever you want. And the key thing with this one is the two days that you choose to fast should not be consecutive. Um, so maybe choosing to fast on a Tuesday and a Friday or Tuesday and a Saturday or something. Um, that's the key thing with that. The last method that people can go on with intermittent fasting is the 5-2 method. And it's similar to the eat-stop-eat method um, where you choose two days during the week to restrict calories. But rather than fasting for the whole 24 hours, you're restricting your calories to five or 600 calories during that day. But again, those two days that you choose to do that should not be in a row. So once you have chosen whichever method that you want to do for the intermittent fasting, then from there, there's no specific guidelines for your food intake or your drink intake. So as long as you're fasting during those times. Um, the food choices that you make when you're eating are up to you. So that's the summary for intermittent fasting. What are your thoughts with that? Okay. Um, intermittent fasting uh, has become a little bit more popular lately. Um, the interesting thing about this is that if it's done in a way that is set up appropriately and that you are implementing good principles of eating when you are eating, it can be used for some individuals in a healthy way. But let's look at it first from a fad diet perspective. So if you're looking at this from a fad diet perspective, there are a lot of red flags. So let's look at those. 
So first of all, you know, it gives you options. Um, the first one, the 16-8, basically is giving you eight hours of eating and 16 hours when you're not eating in a 24-hour period. Well, that basically is limiting the amount of calories you eat in a day, but you also need to be aware of what you're eating during that time. So that's one of the tricky things about this is that it's not actually teaching you how to eat any better. Um, and so we kind of talked about that with the last one, but what are you eating during those eight hours? If you still need all of the calories that you need to fuel your body and you only have eight hours to do it, sometimes that just doesn't allow you to get in the nutrients that you need. Um, you have to eat, you should still be eating nutrient dense foods in that time, but a lot of people just say, well, I have these eight hours and I'm going to eat when it's convenient. And if it's after this, these eight hours then I'm not going to eat. So that leads us to the other one, which is it's really important to eat when you're hungry and pay attention to your body. Um, working as an outpatient dietitian, sometimes I would have patients come up to me and talk about, you know, the new diet they were on or whatever they were trying to lose weight. And they would say, you know, I don't eat after seven o'clock at night. And I would say, well, are you ever hungry after that? And they say, yeah, but I just don't eat. <laughs> And, or they would say, um, I'm on this new diet and I eat every two and a half or three hours and it's great because I'm never hungry. And I think, well, how much do you know to eat if you're not hungry? Hunger is not the enemy. Hunger is actually a physiological cue to our bodies that tells us we need to eat. We need calories and energy. So it's good to be hungry um, and then pay attention to what that hunger feels like and eat appropriately to fuel our bodies and give us energy we need. And then another one that I kind of mentioned is that we just aren't learning these principles of variety, balance, and moderation when we're on these patterns. Um, and so again, how sustainable is it? Are you going to do it for the rest of your life? And if not, then it's probably not a great diet to even begin. That's tricky to start something that you know is just temporary because it's just like following rules for a couple of days and then it's not really sustainable and isn't helping your health in the long run. So now that now that we've mentioned some of the red flags as a, a fad diet, I just wanted to mention that um, for people that maybe are having a hard time controlling blood sugars or they have issues with late night snacking, you know, if they're eating ice cream and high calorie, high sugar, um, energy dense foods at night, uh, maybe cutting out that late night eating is beneficial to them, but not because it's a rule, because they're really paying attention to what they're eating. When I was working in the hospital, one thing that we would talk about is taking that 12-hour fast from after dinner until the next morning. And, but that was, that was for people who did have those issues with eating those higher calorie snack foods in the evening. Mm -hmm. I think we all struggle with that. Uh, we, when you're watching a movie or um, hanging out with friends, you're not going to eat carrots or other nutrient-dense foods. Those don't sound appealing. But kind of yeah. like what you're saying, it's important to be aware of that, having that moderation. And if you know that you're eating too much, rather than saying, well, now I'm just not going to eat at all, just knowing if I am hungry, I'll choose these foods over these foods. And every once in a while, it's okay to have ice cream in the evening or, right. or other things right. like that. But you want to have the option that it's okay right. to eat ice cream at night if it sounds good and you're with friends and that you don't have to follow strict rules. Sometimes another way to recognize bad diets is to see that sometimes diets are designed for people with specific conditions. 
So like you were mentioning, you used that for people maybe that had an issue with not eating well at night. And so this idea of fasting at night was beneficial to them, maybe because they were obese or overweight and had issues with eating at night. And so it could be beneficial. But sometimes when those diets then are taken from using for certain conditions and then just used across the board for the general population, mostly just to lose weight, that is kind of a bad diet um, because then you're not necessarily using that diet for the purpose of what it was intended for originally, but now maybe just for a fast way to lose weight and that wasn't what it was intended for. So sometimes it's the right diet for certain people, but it's not necessarily the right diet for all people. Right, yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's a good insight. So kind of like that, that was used more to help them change a the behavior. Right, the yeah. Whereas, as you said, most people just use that to lose a couple of pounds quickly or something. Right, and they're not going to um, use it um, in the long term. And sometimes people that are actually learning about specific diets from a dietitian or something um, for a certain purpose, they're usually getting counseling on behavior modification or the right types of foods or pr principles of nutrition. Um, instead of if you just read it on the internet and say, oh, this is something I can do for a couple of days to lose that three pounds I wanted to before the weekend, then it's, and it's not used as it was intended to. Yeah, I like that. Kind of like with children. If you say, don't do this, don't do that, <laughs> and you don't teach them why, then maybe for a while they won't do it, but long term, who knows, maybe they will. Yeah, exactly. People want to know the whys. They want to understand because then if they're just following rules, it doesn't make sense. Awesome. Well, should we do our last fad diet? Let's do it. Okay. The last diet that I'm going to give you a summary of is called the celery juice diet. And some people might have heard of this before or others might not have heard of this before. But this started becoming popular about a year and a half ago or so. And this is a really interesting fad diet, and this one's particular to celery juice, but there's a lot of different diets kind of like this. But with this diet, so this was created by a medical medium, and he, just to give you a little bit of a background, he doesn't have any background in nutrition or medicine. He doesn't have any sort of degree related to that. So for his diet, he is telling people to drink about 16 ounces of celery juice every morning, and they aren't supposed to add anything to the diet. They're just supposed to wake up in the morning and drink straight celery juice before eating anything, so still on an empty stomach. And he claims that celery juice is miraculous healing remedy and there's so many great benefits to drinking 16 ounces of celery juice in the morning. It can help with your skin, it can improve digestion, decrease bloating, help with energy, mental clarity, weight loss, can stable your moods, and he says that's just to name a few. He also goes on to say that it can heal people from acute and chronic illnesses. And he lists quite a few different illnesses with that. And that's the basics of the celery juice diet. There's no other recommendations related to food intake, when people can eat, that sort of thing. So what are your thoughts about the celery juice diet? Hey, this is an interesting one. 
something that is interesting about the celery juice diet is that there are nutrients in celery and there are some things that might be beneficial about consuming celery and even that amount of celery juice, but there are a couple of red flags. So first of all, you mentioned that he doesn't have um, a background in nutrition or medicine. So diets that are promoted by um, people that don't have a background with an understanding of the body, how the body works or what those nutrients really do is a red flag. Usually they're trying to promote something more than just an eating pattern. So um, a book or a product or um, you know, trying to make money somehow. So looking over the website and seeing if they're selling anything else is important. And I believe on the website uh, you were looking at, I think he was selling books or something. Is that right? Yeah, he was selling a book. So um, just another way to kind of promote his name and his idea and then also to make money. So that's a, a red flag for sure. Um, like I said, sometimes there are benefits to some of these, these um, trends or fads that they're promoting, but they're kind of taken out of context. So uh, there might be nutrients or vital chemicals or something in celery that do have those benefits, but it doesn't mean that um, they are beneficial for everyone and that they're sustainable. So, or even that it comes from celery juice. <laughs> so sometimes those nutrients or phytochemicals can be found in a lot of other ingredients that you would eat normally throughout a day. Um, and you can get the, those benefits from eating a, a well-rounded diet that's full of variety, balance, moderation. Um, but then to say that you can get all of those benefits from just eating one single food in an amount that is actually quite a bit, 16 ounces of just pure celery juices, a ton of celery juice. I don't know how, if you recognize how many celery sticks that would be. <laughs> um, what would be a lot of celery just to blend up and to drink a 16 ounces of juice. So, you know, being sure that you recognize what those nutrients are and what they're saying. Um, although you might look at that specific nutrient and uh, the connection that they make with that nutrient and a health benefit might actually be true. Doesn't mean that just getting it all from celery juice for an extended amount of time is the best way to do that. Um, but it might be, it might provide some benefits, but it's not necessarily a diet. Um, so that would be something else. Another thing is that when companies or people that are promoting diets or something um, promise multiple things from one change, that usually is a red flag as well. So they were saying by drinking 16 ounces of celery juice, that, and they're really careful with their words. It, could, it said it could heal things, not cure things. Um, I think it's just interesting. Sometimes we think of those words as the same, but they have to be careful even when they're marketing things that they can't say that they can cure things a lot of the time. Anyways, make you feel better is what they're saying. But it also says that it can um, help you with several things, you know, your skin, your digestive system, you know, different types of conditions and ailments that you might have by making one change. And usually that, you know, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And we've talked about at the beginning of the semester how to just recognize bad science and um, things like that. So that would definitely fall in that category of if it seems too true, too good to be true, then it probably is. Um, usually making one change or including one more thing in your diet is not going to make your whole health history better <laughs> from today on. So that would be another thing. I think with that, 
when they're claiming that it'll help you feel more energized or less bloating or digest things better, there's other factors that can influence that. Did you get a better night's sleep or did you move more the day before? And so maybe you did have celery juice, but maybe you did other things too that helped with that. Yeah. And a lot of this ends up kind of being a placebo effect too, because people that are making changes like this are probably making more than one change. So they might be drinking the celery juice, but they're also eating better because they're trying to also lose weight. So they, like you said, they're maybe exercising more or <clears throat> not eating out as much, eating less added sugar. Um, less and so, sodium. but then yeah, less sodium, anything like that. And then they um, all of a sudden attribute it to the celery juice that they had that morning when actually they've made several other changes in their day as well. Great. Thank you for analyzing those fad diets. Those were some really good tips and um, some great red flags to consider as people see these fad diets and try to analyze them and not just believe everything that they're reading. So maybe just some final thoughts maybe comparing these fad diets to a healthy eating plan? Sure. Um, so identifying these red flags, you know, you can take these and apply them to anything you hear, whether you hear them from friends or family, things you see on the internet, popular trends. If it seems like it's something new, then it probably is a fad because actual healthy eating patterns have not really changed all that much. Um, we include those principles that I've mentioned a couple of times today of uh, variety, balance, moderation, making sure that what you're eating is adequate and um, that you're eating all the food groups. As long as your body can tolerate them and you don't have a specific condition, that's what a healthy eating pattern should include. And um, so looking at ways to incorporate eating patterns in ways that you enjoy. So cooking them differently or incorporating them into meals that maybe you hadn't thought of before um, is important. And then just making sure that you recognize that bad diets do seem kind of fun and trendy and interesting, but that, that usually bad diets aren't promoting healthy eating. Yeah. And one other thing to think about is most fad diets, they don't talk about exercise or physical activity or promoting things like that. So when you are trying to have that healthy lifestyle, being active can help as well. There was another person that was um, promoting some of these things that was questioned by the FTC. And he um, at one time was promoting different things that, you know, as miracle uh, pills and cures that would melt the fat away and, and things like that. But when the interview was over and the one of the news reporters was just talking to him kind of behind the scenes, uh, he said at the very end, he said, you know, the the best things for a healthy lifestyle are diet and exercise. They always have been and they always will be. <laughs> and that's really the truth. You know, there are no miracle pills or cures and it does take a little bit of planning and a little bit of hard work, but so we need to do to take care of our bodies and be healthy. It's all about thinking in, into the long term how we want to feel, not in the next 30 days or the next two months, but how do we want to feel when we're in our 50s or 60s or 70s with playing with can we play with our grandchildren can we go on those trips that we've always wanted to go on or are we still focused on the next fad diet and how to lose those five pounds as quick as we can yeah I love that and and this week in Nutri 150 we've been talking about body image you know and just making sure that we're making those choices because they're healthy choices not because they're 
going to change the way we look, but that we're going to have a good quality of life and be able to serve those around us. Great. Thank you so much. Appreciate you coming back on the show and helping us evaluate these fad diets and um, promote a healthy lifestyle. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. That was fun. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Beyond the Classroom podcast. A big thanks to Amanda Christensen for joining us on the show today to help us learn how to evaluate fad diets. Being able to evaluate a fad diet is a valuable tool, especially in today's world. Sometimes it seems like I see a new fad diet every day. While fad diets are never going to go away, with Amanda's help, you learned how to identify the red flags of a fad diet. Now it is your turn to go and practice these skills. The next time you are on the internet, social media, or talking to friends and family, and you hear about a fad diet, take the time to evaluate it. Don't just believe everything that you read or hear. Then share what you've learned with others and take the time to promote a healthy eating pattern in your life and in the lives of others. As you do this, you'll be able to add value to all those you come in contact with. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. 